Welcome to Category 5. Hey, it's me, Henry. Henry, how you been, buddy? It's been a long time, man. We're going to have a great show, and you just reminded me so much of Mario. I know, because there's some crazy thing going online right now, but you should totally talk about it. I mean, like, I just got back from this Battle Royale. Oh, well, but if it's like a game that looks like Mario, it's going to be... Oh, oh, they're going to get DCMA takedown. Oh, is it generic? Oh, perfect. But if only the thing about Mario that I just don't like is that you've got to wait your turn back and forth between the controllers. Robbie, 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 Robbie. Hmm. What if I told you that you could play with 99 people at the same time? Like a battle royale? Like a battle royale. Whoa. In classic 2D. Wow. I want to learn more about this, Henry. Me too. We're going to have to show this a little bit later on. Also, as we're kind of on the kick of retro, we're going to be speaking with Jim Hall from the FreeDOS Project. He's the founder and creator of FreeDOS, which is still a thing. And is celebrating 25 years. Stick around. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Our live recordings are trusted only to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in every week on Roku, Kodi, Plex, and other HLS video players. For local showtimes, visit Category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5 tv slash tpn and the international association of internet broadcasters cat5.tv slash iaib viewers who are just joining us are like who is that voice yeah. it's yeah. henry bailey brown I'm everybody back. he's Hi. back it's been a long time you've been well it has been more a fortnight or two or 20 <laughs> it's been a long time it's good to be back everyone yeah good to see you thanks for having yeah. me sasha how you been uh, well, I've been well. Yeah. Been a week. Yeah. yeah. Well, here we are. I, I, I've been what? just counting down the days yeah. to get here to Wednesday night. Nice to see everybody. Good to have you here. Uh, I am Robbie. My name didn't get mentioned, so oh, that was, that's like your cue, guys, Hi, to Robbie. be like, oh, and he's hey, Robbie. Robbie, yeah. how are you? Yeah, Hi. I'm very well. Thank you for asking. <laughs> We've got a great show planned for you today. A little bit of a retro theme, which your shirt, made in the 80s, is absolutely perfect. And yours, even. I'm like 77, man. Wow. I'm just like, and I'm like future tech. That's good, too. I didn't, I guess I just, I didn't get the memo. You got the tech side. (laughs) Hey, before we jump into it today, I want to remind you to subscribe to us on YouTube, and also click that bell so that you get the notifications anytime that we are posting new and exciting content on our channel. Now, the FreeDOS project is still a thing. Mm -hmm. It's still around. And not only still around, but celebrating 25 years. Wow. And uh, it's an open source DOS DOS clone, I guess you would call it, um, DOS compatible operating system. Mm -hmm. And... We're going to learn all about it all right. today. Uh, help me welcome Jim Hall. He's the founder and the project coordinator for FreeDOS. Jim, thanks for joining us, and congratulations uh, in celebrating your 25-year anniversary. That's a huge milestone, really, for any project, especially oh. for something like DOS. 
Sure is. Now, Jim, before we actually get into the validity of FreeDOS in 2019, I'd love to hear a little bit about how and why the project got started. Um, let's start back in the days of MS-DOS. Uh, what brought about FreeDOS and how did the whole project begin? Sure. I, I was a uh, big DOS user from pretty much the 80s on. Uh, my family uh, started with an Apple II computer like a lot of people, but we moved on to an IBM uh, personal computer running DOS. I just thought the command line for DOS was certainly a lot more powerful than we had on the Apple. Uh, and so I, uh, uh, I really got into that command line, all that flexibility, putting together these small tools for the bigger things. Yeah. Uh, and, and then I taught myself programming. And so I lear- as I learned how to program, I'd write little utilities to kind of extend parts of the command line a little bit for me. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then by the time I got to college, uh, I was really a power user, and I uh, had written all kinds of utilities that would extend the functionality of, of DOS. Uh, but, and, and I used lots of DOS applications, especially as a college student. I was a physics major, and so I, I used a uh, spreadsheet program as easy as my favorite and then uh, uh, word processors, and I just really, really loved DOS. I, I, I still, you know, I, I ran Linux. I, uh, I installed Linux in '93. Yeah. Uh, and hey, back uh, in the very it. early days of Linux. Very, very mm-hmm. early. It was like 0.99 patch level, wow. like 11. I think. Now tell us, what was your first distro? Like I was Caldera back in those oh. days. Uh, mine was a little uh, distribution called SLS Linux, Soft Landing wow. Linux Systems. Uh, 1.03, I think, and uh, and it was advertised as a soft touchdown uh, for DOS users, and and, and it cool. really was. Yeah. Uh, and so I thought, you know, Linux was this. I immediately saw that you know it was more powerful than, than DOS, but obviously DOS still had the applications. And so, you know, in 1994, uh, you know, I read a lot of technology magazines, uh, and and I started to see these these interviews from you know Microsoft saying hey you know the next version of uh, Windows uh, will not need DOS and in fact DOS is pretty much going to go away right uh, and I and I said look I I, I still use DOS <laughs> <laughs> yeah you and everyone else at that time because yeah. what if we didn't want to lose that command prompt right oh yeah. yeah yeah and you know Windows was not actually that great at that point it was Windows 3 and I I remember saying, you know, God, if the next version of Windows, if Windows 4 is going to look anything like Windows 3, I'm not quite sure I'm ready to go there. I think I'd rather yeah. write my own DOS. And so I, <laughs> I just said, I, I, I said, we, we, I, I, I posted on uh, Usenet uh, back mm-hmm. in the day. I said, you know, somebody should write a free version of DOS, kind of like Linux, right? Linux was the model that I had. So, you know, somebody should write a free version of DOS, just like there's a free version of Unix. So I should write DOS. And, and a lot of people said, that's a great idea, and you should do it. Yeah, that's, it. that's exactly what's coming to mind. Back on the, in the Usenet days, it's like, well, then do it, because like, right. I'm, not, I'm not doing it. It's your idea. <laughs> and so I, uh, I took all those tools that I'd written uh, over the years, yeah. uh, and I kind of packaged them up, and I kind of made my first little free DOS release. I made an announcement on... Uh, January, or June 29, uh, 1994, saying, hey, uh, we're starting this project uh, at the time called PDDOS, Public Domain DOS. Yeah. Didn't, quite understand. didn't understand public domain at the time versus free software. So right. it was it was PDDOS for, I think, like a month. And then we changed it to free DOS. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, that, that's where it started. And once once I released that, that first package, that, that first set of utilities, 
Um, it was surprising how many people actually came to me and said, hey, okay, so you got something going. Um, I want to do something too, or I've written some utilities that uh, expanded my command line, or I wrote some utilities that replaced the MS-DOS functionality over here. And Fantastic. so started to, started to collect those together, and it, mm-hmm. and it, and it kind of snowballed from there. That's, that's really the, the origin of FreeDOS. So your compatibility FreeDOS versus MS-DOS was quite interoperable at that time? Uh, we didn't have a kernel back then. Uh, okay. So our first our first versions were uh, really shooting for um, uh, uh, you know utilities, and so I, I had this grand idea at the time uh, that they uh, that we'd break up into like three different groups. Mm-hmm. This was very optimistic of me. Really, it would just sort of happen organically. But uh, I thought we'd have probably a utilities group. We'd probably have a drivers group. We'd probably have a kernel group. Just because I kind of thought that's how it'd be done. Right. Nope. And in fact, what happens is everyone just contributes what they want to do. That's how open source works. So everyone contributes what they want to do. Uh, and so you had a lot of people that contributed uh, utilities, uh, some drivers. We went out and found some uh, on different FTP sites, a lot of public domain uh, code at the time that did a lot of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so we, we really had uh, utilities really came first. Uh, and then after that, we... Uh, uh, I got contacted by um, Pat Galani uh, through the, uh, the folks at uh, the Dossier New Project, and uh, he said he had a kernel that he had written that that uh, was mostly compatible with DOS, and he wanted to contribute to the FreeDOS project, and so that's that's how we got our kernel. And I think that happened about I want to say like a year or so on uh, is when we got the kernel from Pat. Oh, fantastic, Jim. Here's a question that you probably hear a lot of these days. Is there still a reason for DOS to exist in modern computing? Okay, so I, I never really imagine that uh, like FreeDOS is going to replace Linux or Windows or anything. There's, there's no nobody's I think ever pitching that DOS is going to become the new thing. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, why are people running DOS then in 2019? Uh, I, it's really because we actually did a survey on our website a couple of years back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this is still true. So most of the people who are running FreeDOS are using FreeDOS to play uh, legacy, uh, you know, DOS games. Yes, classic, classic DOS games. And I still do that. Uh, and uh, uh, so that most of our users are very likely doing that. We also have a number of people that are using uh, FreeDOS to run, uh, you know, legacy applications. Okay. Uh, and, and in fact, when I was at uh, uh, a university, I was a campus CIO for a university, uh, we actually had a faculty member that came to us one day and said, I've got these floppy disks that have data on them uh, from some research project she'd worked on back in the probably 80s or 90s. Right. And, uh, and I can't read them. You know, you know the floppies mm-hmm. are fine, but, you know, she couldn't read the data files. Like, nothing would read them. Uh, and, you know, Excel wouldn't read them. Uh, LibreOffice wouldn't read them. And so... Uh, we, we set up Linux, or set up FreeDOS, rather, on a, uh, on a spare machine, uh, found a copy of the program that she'd been using, uh, put, that on, put that on the FreeDOS machine, yeah. and were able to read the data from her floppy disks and then just export them to text files, so that way she could get her data back. <laughs> so it's like a pseudo uh, data recovery application as well, in yeah, a lot of ways, yeah, for retro almost, users. Almost. <laughs> um, what- uh, we all... Sorry, we go ahead. Of, we also get some people that, that do uh, embedded uh, systems. Work. Yeah. I don't know that a lot of that happens. Probably not a lot of it today. Are you talking uh, like CNC machines, like that kind of stuff? Or? No, I, th- I think we're talking about, uh, like, like one example, probably my favorite example, actually, is this guy had 
made a, uh, uh, a pinball machine that used Fridas to drive the board, like keep score. No. And that oh. was, I thought that was a really cool thing. Uh, I'd love to talk to that guy someday to find out what happened to that project. But uh, that was that, that's one example of using an embedded system uh, that runs that runs Fridas. That's uh, way cool. And and then of course you always get uh, people who uh, who use Fridas to uh, install BIOS updates. Uh, that happens oh, yeah. a lot. So still, still people who run BIOS updates off of a DOS, it requires a DOS program. Yeah. Uh, our DOS operating system, rather, and so uh, uh, people uh, use FreeOS for that. I never really, I always forget to count that BIOS updates as part of the how people use FreeOS because they don't really install FreeOS to, to do the BIOS updates. They're really just putting on like a FOB drive. But um, but yeah, uh, BIOS updates definitely are, are one way that people use FreeDOS today. And what makes FreeDOS better than MS-DOS? Like why, like certainly MS-DOS is kind of not really thought about too much these days, but back in the day when people were deciding between FreeDOS and MS-DOS, I'm sure it was even more prominent, that differentiation. Right. So what, what sets you guys apart? Uh, well, I, th I think the obvious one today is we're still working on FreeDOS and MS-DOS. Yeah, this is still a living project after 25 yeah. years, my man. Yeah, yeah, people, yeah, we're still working on it. <laughs> uh, and uh, so that's a, that's a big deal. Obviously, the source code you can see... Uh, but, you know, one thing we've, we've tried to do with FreeDOS over the years is how can we make FreeDOS more modern? Uh, it's, it's not just about uh, replacing the, the functionality of, of, of MS-DOS, like, one-for-one, one, and then stopping there. Uh, I've always said if, we, if that's what we did, if we were just replacing all the functionality one-for-one one and didn't do anything more, then FreeDOS would be just as dull as MS-DOS. <laughs> uh, so we've added to the... FreeDOS command line. So we've added a lot of utilities to FreeDOS. Uh, a lot of stuff that just didn't exist in MS-DOS at the time. Mm. Uh, one thing that I find interesting is uh, we've added um, some uh, Unix-like utilities. Okay. So there was this project back in the 90s, I, I think, maybe even the 80s, uh, called the GNUish project. And they, they ported uh, GNU utilities, command line utilities, to, uh, to MS-DOS. Um, and they stopped, I think, around 94. If I recall correctly, but we've we've started we've we've, we've kept up. I you know people will contribute um, you know Unix-like programs or Linux-like programs so that you can run them on the on the FreeDOS command line. Uh, I think that's a great thing because it makes uh, FreeDOS a little more approachable to people who are only used to Linux because MS-DOS command line or the FreeDOS command line is a little different than than Linux. But uh, adding those utilities back in makes it a little bit more let's say feeling a little bit more like home. Yeah. Uh, so we've we've we just adding adding this extra functionality to uh, FreeDOS that that MSDOS has never never had. Cool. Now, I'm speaking with Jim Hall, the creator of the FreeDOS project. Um, the project is celebrating 25 years this week. Um, Jim, do I need to, to... You mentioned floppy disks, so immediately I'm thinking about the fact that no computer these days has a floppy drive or anything like that. Most kids these days have never even seen a floppy disk. Uh, do I have to have an old computer to run FreeDOS, or will it run on modern hardware? Uh, so, that's an interesting question. Uh, you... Uh, running on modern hardware at the bare hardware level uh, is getting tougher. Uh, 
Um, mm. Because UEFI uh, comes to yes, mind. <laughs> exactly, exactly mm-hmm. the reason. So, FreeDOS is like any DOS, and it, it relies on on having a, an Intel machine uh, with a BIOS. And so, um, if your machine has UEFI, uh, it needs to have a BIOS compatibility uh, layer in it, right. uh, which which you're starting to find more and more rare. Yeah. Uh, and so, if if you got a system that just has UEFI, doesn't have BIOS uh, support in it at all. Uh, you're not going to be running uh, FreeDOS on that. Mm-hmm. That said, not a lot of people these days are really running FreeDOS on modern, like new, out of the box uh, hardware because FreeDOS is a 16-bit operating system. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there aren't too many 500 megabyte hard drives kicking around anymore. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, you're talking disks now are in the terabytes. Yeah. Uh, you know, way more disks than uh, that FreeDOS is going to be able to comfortably manage. So uh, then, what's the option? Like, can I use a hypervisor like VirtualBox? Yeah, that's that's how I think most people are running it. Uh, mm. uh, running in running FreeDOS is some sort of virtual machine, uh, and actually, actually, that's how I run FreeDOS. I, I run Linux as my uh, my desktop operating system, and I run a uh, uh, a virtual environment called QEMU uh, okay, to, yeah. boot, uh, to boot FreeDOS, and so it mm-hmm. works great there. Uh, you know, and FreeDOS because it's a it's an older operating system doesn't require a ton of memory, so yeah. pairing up that virtual machine is pretty light. Yeah. Uh, other people, uh, we do know some people that do actually install FreeDOS on, uh, let's say, uh, collected uh, hardware, uh, uh, antique, vintage, uh, uh, legacy oh, hardware. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. they'll find uh, you know Pentiums, four eighty sixes, sometimes three eighty six. I think we had somebody said they had a two eighty six. Uh, but you, you find this hardware from the nineties, uh, early two thousands, and and there are people that are that are installing FreeDOS on those older machines uh, because they're setting up a dedicated you know DOS machine. Uh, and, uh, and and FreeDOS works, works great there. Sure. Uh, because that's, that's hardware it's absolutely designed for. It. Oh, and I would imagine it would just breathe new life into that old hardware for sure. Now, there's the other absolutely. side of it. Like, m- most of us are not going to run out and buy legacy hardware because, truth be told, unless you can find it, like, cheap from somebody who doesn't know any better, like, it's, it's like a collector's item. So you're going to pay right. through the teeth. You might as well put it on newer hardware. So if I, if I go with a virtual machine, a FreeDOS on my i9, like, are my retro games, like, I think about, like, Prince of Persia was brilliant, like, cutting edge at the time. Uh, am I going to have performance issues? Like, and, and it's, like, the opposite of what you would expect. Is it going to run too fast? Like, are my race car games yeah. from the DOS days going to be so fast that it's like ridiculous? There, there are. So the, the the answer to your first part is yeah, you should be able to run any DOS game uh, on FreeDOS. Just fire it up in a in a virtual machine and and it'll run. But as you say, there are some games that uh, ran that assu- made certain assumptions about the hardware it was running on. Yeah, uh, and assumed the machine was only so fast and. Uh, that that's how it reacted to to the player, and so uh, there's a really really old uh, game I think for uh, like CGA system that kind of shows my, that age, but uh, that, uh, called Sopwith that uh, it's over in a flash because it just assumes you're running on I think a, an eighty eighty eight or something like that. Yeah, even uh, Commander Keen was like back in the CGA days, the earlier yeah. versions of Commander Keen. Yep, yep, uh, but uh, but that one that one runs fine. I uh, I, that, I I run that one myself, mm-hmm. but. Uh, uh, there's a there's a pinball game and I can't remember the name of it, but there's a pinball game that suffers the same thing. It really kind of assumes this machine at a certain speed. Yeah, so wow. we have a we have a program called Slowdown included in the FreeDOS distribution that that should help you uh, 
uh, slow down your machine to <laughs> run some of the older machines. So this uh, only but, impacts uh, the performance of the virtual machine, yes? Like, so it, yeah, it all, basically correct. tricks the software because you didn't have the same, like, real-time clocking and, and all that kind of stuff back then. So. Yep, exactly. And it's, yeah, it's, so it slows down just FreeDOS to, mm. uh, to run at, at that slower speed. Or you, some, some virtual machines have an ability to kind of emulate a slower system, and so they'll, they'll make it look, to the, at least to the guest operating system, that it's running a little slower than... Native CPU. Jim, immediately what's coming to mind is speed runs. Like, can I just overclock it a little bit to make things <laughs> run faster? Is that no, possible? Hadn't, hadn't thought about that. That would be interesting. That would be really okay. interesting. So that's something that we need to uh, we need to work on. So comment yeah. below. Let us know what games from the from that era you would love to play on FreeDOS. Um, as I'm thinking about the hardware, Jim, uh, these days. ARM is taking over. Is there any hope that we're ever going to see anything that's not x86 based uh, with FreeDOS, or is that just a pipe dream? Uh, FreeDOS, as I said before, it really is like any other DOS, and it requires an Intel CPU. Okay. Uh, so, can you run FreeDOS on like bare metal on like a Raspberry Pi or something? Not on a Raspberry Pi. Mm -hmm. I, the, the amount of work required to turn FreeDOS into a Raspberry Pi operating system is just that's a lot because it's yeah. different operating, different uh, architecture. Uh, it doesn't have a BIOS. Uh, so you're really back to running FreeDOS inside a, a virtual machine. Okay. Now, are there any plans um, for the future of FreeDOS? Like, here we are 25 years into the project. DOS being something that I think of as a, a very retro, almost nostalgic mm -hmm. operating system. Uh, has everything already been realized that can be done in a DOS environment? Or is there more to be achieved? Oh, it's, it's, I think it's still growing. Um, you know, so we're obviously adding a lot to the, uh, to the command line. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm always encouraging people to, to uh, port uh, Unix software, Unix commands to, uh, to the FreeDOS command nice. line. Um, and so I think that that's something that we'll see more of and you know, yep. kind of more utilities along, because user space is a great place to be. That said, there's also another group that is uh, that's starting a new kernel project. Uh, and their goal is to be able to create a, uh, I think, a 64-bit uh, version of, of a DOS kernel that, <laughs> that can some that can somehow run 16-bit uh, programs. Now that that's a huge wow. undertaking. So yeah, uh, I I wish them the best of luck. I hope they get there. Um, and I've always said if they can if they can do it, I'll, I'd be interested in, in trying it out in FreeDOS and. Oh, for sure. Maybe making it an optional kernel, and maybe that's what's going to push us to like that FreeDOS 2.0 uh, label. Yeah, uh, you've you you've know, touched but, but, on. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I'm just saying that's that's always how we're you know looking at expanding, uh, you know, FreeDOS. Somebody, somebody, it, it's never really I, I think a directed thing. It's not like we say, oh, this is the roadmap that yeah. we have. We have a roadmap of a kind, but you know, it's it's really about you know people are are the ones that come up and say, I'm planning to do this, or here's something that I wrote. And then if it's cool then and useful, then we, we find a way to include it. And that's really, cool. I think, how FreeDOS has really grown through over the years. I think that's the reason that we're still around today, 20 sure. years later, is that it's always about what people, what people want to do with FreeDOS and where they want to take it. It's not so much you know, one or two people saying, this is the roadmap that we've laid out, and, and only if you're on the roadmap are you going to make it. So it's always about, nope, what, what do people want um, uh, to do to make FreeDOS great? Jim, I, I appreciate your attitude. As the founder of FreeDOS, I think this is uh, an inspirational attitude that we need to subscribe to as developers and as, as just 
society in general. But uh, and I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but I, I the conversation was really driving me to think about how people are able to contribute to the FreeDOS project. You have a very open mindset. You're very um, like with the open source um, concept and your willingness to receive the kernel as they develop this new kernel and, and other uh, contributions. What other ways can general users contribute to the project? Uh, you know, we have a, 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 a contribute link on our uh, on our website. It's got it's got a couple of things in there. You know, obviously, uh, we're going to be getting people with different levels of experience, and so uh, people who are sort of beginners in programming, people who have some programming experience, people who've got a lot of DOS programming experience, and so we have sort of suggestions uh, broken out into that. So at the beginning level, like any project, we're saying, hey, test programs, put bugs in uh, uh, to our tracker, uh, test games in particular, because mm -hmm. games are a great way to stress test yeah. uh, an operating system like DOS. So, mm -hmm. you know, testing games is a great way to do it. I want to uh, see those Mario speedruns, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jill know. of the Jungle speedrun. Let's do it. <laughs> And then we've got other stuff, you know, like, you know, just porting utilities uh, to uh, uh, to FreeDOS. And yeah. so, uh, you know, I, I also have been talking about creating like an alternative uh, or, or an, uh, let's say, a modern version of the uh, command com shell. That, that'd be something I'd really like to see. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just not something I have time to work on. So it's like if somebody wants to, like, really test their programming chops, <laughs> uh, you know, that, that list uh, that we have on our website is a great place to be. Uh, you know, we also have some other big stuff like, you know, creating something that will uh, uh, allow uh, uh, FreeDOS to work better in, a, in, in virtual environments like VirtualBox so you can, you know, mount, uh, you know, file systems or whatever oh, uh, yeah. from, from within VirtualBox. You know, cool. things like that would be, yeah. I think, because FreeDOS really is going to be running in a virtual machine, mm -hmm. uh, ways that will make FreeDOS um, work better in those kind of virtual machines, I think, is, is, is kind of the way to go. So, yeah, that's there's just a ton of ways to contribute to FreeDOS, but really it kind of comes down to, what do you want to do? Um, yeah, we've got lists of suggestions that might kind of help you help you get going. But uh, uh, I, I, I'm really looking for people who want to join FreeDOS and kind of do something that they want to that they want to work right. on. And Jim, uh, your website address being? Uh, it's at freedos.org. F R E E D O S dot O R G. And I imagine we can also download FreeDOS from that link as well. Absolutely, absolutely, Jim. I, yeah, we. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I, with that micro I, I, fracture of a delay, so we're, you know, I'm constantly stumbling on you. I apologize. That's okay. I was, I was saying, you know, that we, uh, you know, I, I track our downloads on the on the FreeDOS project. You know, every time you download mm -hmm. uh, FreeDOS off of our website, it uh, it goes into a little tracker, so I can just kind of see who's downloading. I'm not tracking who's downloading; just that it's been sure. downloaded. And so I I was able to see. Uh, I ran stats this morning, and, and we've been maintaining an average of about fifty thousand downloads a month. Wow. For the last two years, back to May or June of 2017, uh, been a pretty constant 50,000. So it's um, it's it, that, that's that's Dude, a pretty good number. Software from like 2019 has trouble achieving those yeah. numbers. Yeah, yeah. One of my friends was saying, you know, some Linux distributions don't have those numbers. So yeah, uh, we feel pretty good to have that. And I imagine that uh, you know us Linux users are, are you know we're looking for ways to play retro gaming, and and emulators are not always the way to do it. So something like FreeDOS in VirtualBox is a fantastic free way to make it happen. Absolutely. 
So, Jim, I want to thank you for your contributions to like the community as a whole. Uh, as a Linux user myself, like I can see the benefits in having FreeDOS as a virtual appliance. Uh, and uh, and uh, again, thank you so much for your attitude. I find it inspirational. And and folks. Learn from what you heard here today. Uh, this is how uh, a project should be administered. Jim, thank you for being on the show. Thank you very much. Take care. Folks, it's time to head over to the newsroom. Here's Sasha. Hello. Here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category 5.TV newsroom. Apple has issued a voluntary recall for the MacBook Pro again. Dell's included support assist tool is the latest to require urgent patching after an admin escalation bug was discovered. Windows Terminal Preview is now available to download. And Robert Downey Jr. is creating a foundation that will use robots to clean up the environment. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. This is the Category 5.TV Newsroom. Covering the week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. I'm Sasha Rickman, and here are the top stories we're following this week. Apple has issued a voluntary recall for the MacBook Pro again. Apple has urged its fans to stop using certain MacBook Pro models and has issued a voluntary recall of the notebooks after they were found to be prone to battery blazes. Apple said that they have quote, determined that in a limited number of older generation 15-inch MacBook Pro units, the battery may overheat and pose a fire safety risk. They go on to explain affected units were sold primarily between September 2015 and February 2017, and project Product eligibility is determined by the product serial number, end quote. MacBook Pro users can check if their device is covered by entering their serial number into Apple's support page. Those who fall under the recall will then be given more information on how the they can get the fire hazard, hazard battery swapped out for one that will hopefully be less likely to suddenly burst into flames. Users of the apparently cursed run of MacBooks will remember that it was just one year ago, nearly to the day, that Apple finally caved and agreed to issue a voluntary recall to replace the keyboards on notebooks made during the same 2015 to 2017 time period. This time, though, Apple says, quote, because customer safety is a top priority, Apple is asking customers to stop using effective 15-inch MacBook Pro units, end quote. <laughs> wow. It's not it, a fault. It's a feature. Is this the? <laughs> is this by any chance like it was between 2015 and 2017? Did well, Samsung assist with the development <laughs> yeah. of Apple's products? I, I wonder because well, it's sad because like you've really started to see kind of a downward turn in like the quality from Apple recently, right? Mm. And you have all these other things that if they can produce a thousand dollar stand, why can't <laughs> they just take some a little bit of extra time, make sure everything works all right? Like I, I know it's technology, so things are bound to break, but. Sure. Is it over time that the battery starts to blaze? Because we are two years out from the production day, mm. right? So have it has it been catching fire all this well, time? Well, that's the thing. I haven't or? heard anyone no. reporting injury or fire or anything like that. But it's probably, yeah. I wonder if because it, I I joke about Samsung, but in 
light of Samsung's debacle mm-hmm. with was it the the Galaxy Note, Note, Note Seven Note I think something yeah well exploding batteries really exploding, exploding batteries and things it's like that are just <laughs> it's it doesn't go over well on social media right. and you know Apple is you know they they charge the high prices yeah. because they say ours is better quality so right. if they, they want to control sudden, the brand just, right sure yeah. I'm just blown away that between like 2015 and 2017 seems like it was a long time ago and yeah. i haven't seen you know a youtube video or something oh somebody's... we'd hear about it yeah yeah we'd certainly yeah. hear about it so as as uh, henry says it's preventative to avoid that mm-hmm. scenario where okay they've obviously tested or had had something. one happen internally or something I, to I realize just like how sasha said she was blown away by exploding batteries <laughs> i'm blown away really. yeah. <laughs> Dell's included support assist tool is the latest to require urgent patching after an admin escalation bug was discovered. Dell computers include their troubleshooting software, Support Assist. Last week, we learned that it has a security flaw that can be exploited by malware and rogue logged-in users to gain administrator powers. The IT giant includes the Windows-based troubleshooting program with the new desktops, notebooks, and tablets. Unfortunately, the software insecurely loads .dll files when run. Researcher Peleg Hadar said that Support Assist, which runs with system-level privileges, will automatically pull in unsigned code libraries from user-controlled folders. That means malware or dodgy users can leave their own .dll files in a path, wait for Support Assist to blindly load them, and thus execute code within an admin context. That would allow software nasties already on a computer or a rogue logged-in insider to gain complete control over a vulnerable system. It also means that browser exploits, which drop files arbitrarily in user-writable directories, can potentially trigger a remote admin-level compromise. This .dll injection vulnerability is present on as many as 100 million Dell PCs. The most concerning part of this story is that Hadar believes that Dell is not alone in shipping PCs with this particular flaw. The reason for this is that the vulnerability lies in a third-party component of Dell's support assist software that is produced and maintained by PC Doctor, a support and diagnostics app specialist. PC Doctor sells its software to PC makers that then integrate the code into their own products, such as support assist in the case of Dell. Should the vulnerable software prove to have been distributed by other computer vendors, it is likely we will see several big names in the PC space issuing updates similar to Dell's, and PC Doctor will have some explaining to do to to its partners and the general public. Affected versions of the software, including Dell Support Assist for Business PCs version 2.0 and Dell Support Assist for home PCs version 3.2.1 and all prior releases. Dell Support Assist for Business PCs version 2.0.1 and Dell Support Assist for Home PCs version 3.2.2 are the builds you need to in- install to kill off this high severity hole. That's scary because when you buy a new computer in, and the software that just comes with it. Yeah. <laughs> allows code execution at the administrator level. Well, that just, just the name of it, though, assists. Like, you think it's going to help you, but oh, in sure. the end, yeah. it's something mm-hmm. that can detriment your PC experience. And even just thinking about what Support Assist is for, and, and even Dell computers in general, like, it's for the consumer. 
it's for yeah. the person who doesn't necessarily know a lot about their computer because those who do probably wiped out Windows and installed Linux anyways. Exactly. Yeah. Right? But, <laughs> but uh, so as a novice user sitting down in front of my computer and now realizing that this is a vulnerability that, you know, that it could be mm-hmm. exploited. So again, we're looking at like a preemptive, like make sure yeah. you upgrade. I haven't heard of anything happening in the wild, but mm-hmm. understanding that a website, for example, with a JavaScript running that saves these, say, virus-infected or ransomware Mm -hmm. DLL files Mm -hmm. within user folders, and now Support Assist will actually open those and run them with root or administrator privileges. Scary. Could be any number of things. Could be remote access for hackers to be able to access your network could Mm -hmm. be ransomware or other types of malware or could just be something that locks up your system and forces you to have to pay some bitcoin to be able to continue using it i'm less afraid for dell user or dell yeah i guess users or purchasers Mm -hmm. um because now this is out for them i'm really concerned for people that have the other Other, yeah yeah because I mean, they might mm-hmm. think, oh, yeah, well, I don't have Dell, so right. fine. Yeah, like I think about, not that, not that there's any connection whatsoever, yeah. Yeah. but Acer computers, uh, Lenovo computers, the oh, first time are. you fire them up, there are a lot of branded tools that come with those computers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are. Lenovo has support tools that are built in. I don't know if they use that. Um, that software that is uh, that's being ex- that's able to be exploited, mm-hmm. but uh, but what if it does? Yeah, how how do we know? There we go. It's the it's the exploit that we know about. The ones that we don't. Right. right? Yeah. So those are the dangerous ones. I would like this PC doctor to speak up now and. Uh, yeah, like fill us in. Who are your customers? Yeah, just we need to know. Give us the <laughs> list so that we can tell those particular people. Mm-hmm. Now's the time. To the the other fear that this raises in my mind is it's like when like Microsoft Windows has these updates that are bricking systems, right? right. Um, yes. you, we're told to always keep our systems up to date because we want them to be safe. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, when you buy a new computer, you're told to have this software that is provided by the manufacturer in order to keep you up to date and and keep your drivers running well and keep things running the way they should and be able to request support based on your warranty and things like that. So so is the answer to remove it? Well, no, because it's it's important. Is the answer to stop getting your Windows updates? Well, no. But we have to be, I guess, a little... I guess it comes down to being a little more conscious of what updates are happening, what programs are running. Mm-hmm. Maybe well, there's a way to a stop it from running automatically. Well, you can a little bit delay your updates, right? Like, you can a little bit. In, so maybe well, delay yeah. them yeah. by, like, a little bit. With, like, with Windows updates, well, you can say, like, yeah, give me, give me two weeks or whatever right. it is. So right, so maybe, that's best, maybe yeah. that's the best practice. You have so to that way, <laughs> that way... Wait it out. You wait can find yeah. out. to hear the news stories the next day. <laughs> exactly. Don't just update right away when that pops up. Just yeah. delay it just a tiny bit because the update's probably important and probably... Sure kill mm-hmm. your computer but yeah. then there's the chance it might not be as important and will brick your computer so mm-hmm. it's a gamble so back at the support assist <laughs> software is there a way maybe in the settings to disable it from automatically launching yeah. on boot so it's not running and mm-hmm. would only be used if you needed it if you needed mm-hmm. to request support but then again well what happens if there are dll files benignly sitting on your system that are infected mm-hmm. and then you run it the once and it's 
so uh, update your support assist software folks and and i suppose if you have a computer that came with some support software built in Mm -hmm. and you still have that running look down at the clock and all the things that are running down there Mm -hmm. then perhaps you should contact your manufacturer and just uh, like directly not the store that you bought it from because the store that you bought it from is not necessarily privy as to you know if they you bought a lenovo from a store who simply drop shipped it to you they don't know Mm -hmm. necessarily so contact the manufacturer directly and say like is this is this an issue for you are you using uh and i forgot the name of the the doctor software pc doctor pc doctor yeah so are you using that for your support tools for example or are there updates on their website that you need to install so maybe it just means let's be more active with our systems there you go Mm -hmm. windows terminal preview is now available to download at its build 2019 developer conference earlier this year microsoft revealed the linux inspired windows terminal which gives access to the command prompt powershell and wsl the windows subsystem subsystem for linux in one place the code has been available to download and compile for a little while but now microsoft has released a ready-made Windows Terminal app for anyone to try out. Describing the open source project, Microsoft says that the Windows Terminal is a new, modern, fast, efficient, powerful, and productive terminal application for users of command line tools and shells. Its main features include multiple tabs, Unicode, and UTF-8 character support, and a GPU-accelerated text rendering engine, and custom themes, styles, and configurations. They do warn, however, that the app is still in its early stages and could contain bugs. More preview builds are promised, but at the moment, a timeline has not been released. If you'd like to grab the app, you can download it from the Microsoft Store. They're doing what Linux has always done. Exactly. Excellent. Finally catching on. Now, if you could just switch to a non-fragmenting file system, we'll be very, very happy. But hey, nice to see you. Yes. It's a good step forward. It seems backwards in a way, right? Here we are, 2019, and we're putting all this work, and, and geeks are getting all excited about the command prompt. Right. Oh, I, but, I love my text. Yeah. <laughs> Rightfully. Absolutely. I mean, I'm thinking about episode number 614 of Category 5 Technology TV. Had the opportunity uh, to to speak with Jim from the FreeDOS project and thinking about how here we are 25 years after the project was launched and it's still active and still useful. And maybe, you know, Microsoft is taking notice and saying, hey, Linux users still love the terminal. There you go. FreeDOS is still a thing. Uh, Maybe we should finally do stuff. It's like them fixing Notepad so UTF-8 is supported. Well, didn't Microsoft buy out, like, GitHub and stuff? They did. So they just see how popular coding is, oh, so yes. maybe they're reinvesting <laughs> and, hey, maybe we should make sure our base standard's okay. Yeah. Our command prompt works As And for the does future. stuff yeah. like ASCII character codes. Just basic stuff, yeah. Basic stuff. Like, okay, having an ASDF keyboard is one thing, but and being able to use higher codes in the UTF-8 character yeah. set is kind of um, like 1980s. <laughs> you know, like the, this is important to us now in 2019 for sure, especially the World Wide Web has brought everyone together in the, w- in the way that exactly. languages are no longer a barrier. 
Mm-hmm. So if yeah. you use UT, so UTF-8 being like, you know, you think about characters with an accent on them. Mm-hmm. Well, they haven't been able to support that up until now. Yeah. What? Well, so, welcome. It's, kind of like, it's the future. It's <laughs> yeah, the future. it's the, the future of like finally. Yeah. But they do have some really neat stuff. I'm interested to know about like GPU accelerated text. Right. I, I feel so confused by that. <laughs> Your text it's will so come up weird. Five seconds faster. Yeah, it's kind of nice. I mean, it's anti-aliased and Ooh. nice fonts. So shiny. We'll just have to see. It'll be cool. Yeah. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. is creating a foundation that will use robots to clean up the environment. He's famed for being a beloved Hollywood actor, philanthropist, and writer, but now he's adding robotics environmentalist to his list of good qualities. The Iron Man actor took to the stage recently at the Amazon Re Mars conference in Las Vegas to announce the creation of his new foundation, which will use nanotechnology and robotics as a means of cleaning up the planet. He didn't disclose many details on how the organization will begin its cleanup mission, but a Footprint Coalition website went live shortly after the actor's announcement. At the moment, it simply allows a user to sign in to receive more information once it's released. Downey Jr. says that he will be spending the next 11 months collaborating with UN experts and building the organization so that the coalition can get to work by April 2020. He also explained how his his neglect toward the environment in the past is now inspiring him to take action. Quote, I have this quiet sense of crisis, he said. I'm a one-man carbon footprint nightmare colossus, but I want to change, end quote. Regardless of the actor's precise plan of action, Forbes estimates that Downey Jr.'s net worth is about $81 million, more than enough to start tidying up the planet. You can find out more soon by visiting footprintcoalition.com. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, in, in a very good way. I don't mean crazy like, like no, this is like crazy like... For one right. thing, who it is. Yes. yes. Okay, so y'all know how I love robots. And you also <laughs> know how I love the environment. So wow, bring those things together. I, I feel like this story is for me. I am super excited. So mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr., if you want to talk to me, I'm available. We can <laughs> she, collaborate. For, for Category 5 TV, we can fly out there. You, know? you, know, <laughs> you want to do an interview or something, we're good. But let me get this straight. Tony Stark is doing what? Well, I just think he has to partner with Elon Musk now, you know, like the actor for like Tony Stark with the like, actual Tony with, like, Stark. Actual Tony Stark. <laughs> but like he's yeah. already becoming Tony Stark in real life now because he's trying to save the world. So I don't know. I wonder how much inspiration he brings from his characters. <laughs> from his Marvel Universe experience. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, people see him as that character. Yeah. In a lot of ways, and people who meet him, you know, it's like any actor. It's you can't meet Patrick Stewart and not think about Captain Picard. It's right. just uh, exactly. it's not possible. When they talk about robotics mm-hmm. and the environment, I wonder like what part of the environment? Because I'm I'm wondering, is it going to be ocean care? Is it going to be robots like filtering ocean yeah. water? Or uh, that's what I envision. Air? That's what I yeah. Or yeah. is it going to be air or what? What is it going to be? Is it going to be some sort of hmm. like garbage something? Well, it could be a combination because the oceans also suck in carbon. So if you clean the oceans, you clean the air. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I bet I would put money on that. It was it, it's ocean yeah. cleaning, but I don't know. Huh. I'm really keen to find out though. Space cleaning, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Or something that like 
it acts as a tree mm-hmm. and filters the air. But these are nanobots. Like these right. are like take mm-hmm. take the thing on my shirt and shrink it down and then put it into the environment and see what it does. Yeah. But the technology these days, it's possible. So when you hear something like this, and it sounds so sci-fi, and even coming from Robert Downey Jr., you're thinking, like, it just sounds like this is a movie stunt or something. Mm-hmm. But the technology can really be yeah. created these days. And to that point. The time is now. Like, focus the, all, our, all of our attention and our money on the environment, because mm-hmm. that's the only way we're going to see the super awesome future mm-hmm. that we... Flying like. around in space, yeah. other galaxies. Exactly. <laughs> you know, just... <laughs> Clean, clean up now and uh, can have the future you want. Yeah. We, we all have different visions of what he might be up to, what nanotechnology could be used for mm. in order to improve the environment and clean up the environment, as he says. Yeah. Comment below if you're watching this on YouTube or on our website, Category5.tv, wherever you are. If there's a comment box, let us know what you think could be down the line for this new foundation. Exactly. Alternately, Robert Dan- Downey Jr., if you just like to you know, do an interview and let us know exactly the details. We are here. If you just happen to be watching. <laughs> exactly. From the comfort of your Iron Man suit. Right. Yes. Big <laughs> thanks to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us this week. Thanks for watching the Category5.tv newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category5.tv newsroom, I'm Sasha Rickman. And I'm Robbie Ferguson. I'm still Henry. We do. (laughs) We have to take a very quick break. Uh, When we come back, well, we're going to be looking at a Super Mario Brothers Battle Royale game. I'm talking like NES quality with up to 99 players. Stick around. Whoa. Welcome back, everybody. Now, it's no secret we are retro gaming fans here at Studio D. And somebody had the nerve, and I mean the nerve, like the nerves of steel, to create a game based on Super Mario Bros. It was called Super Mario Bros. Battle Royale for about a week. When, of course, Nintendo issued a DCMA takedown request. Nice. And rather than taking it down, (laughs) the developer decided to have a little bit of fun with it and renamed it Infringio Royale, or DCMA Royale, depending on where you look at the screen. (laughs) Uh, It's still fully playable. It's absolutely free, and you do it in your browser. It just lacks your beloved Nintendo character and any trademark infringement. It makes right. sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. So let's actually check it out. You can go to cat5.tv slash royale and here we are at DCMA Royale. It looks it's beautiful. Awesome. Uh-huh. It, was, it was absolutely, it looked exactly like Mario Bros. However, now, okay, understand what a battle royale means. We're talking up to 99 players simultaneously playing Super Mario Bros. I mean, Infringio. 
I was about to say, I almost had to go like get Nintendo. Like, on the same <laughs> screen? Like, you're all On playing. the same screen. Are we ready to give this a try? Yeah. You can do so at cap5.tv slash royale. I'm going to click on play now. I, I believe And you, squad name, I'm going to say uh, cap5. Yeah. Let's go! Loading resources. Nice. Oh my gosh, how many people there are there? Are, so are we many ready? Playing. Oh, that's me. Oh, there's me. Is this like the lobby? <laughs> yeah, this is amazing. This is the lobby, oh, yes. This is so cool. Okay, oh, oh game go. starts in 13 <laughs> seconds. Okay, folks. I love how it says the world. And it looks like it is. Now, look, I've got Cat 5 up at the top left instead of Mario. <laughs> that's awesome. This is legit. sweet. Okay, oh one second, folks. Here we go. How long Whoa! will we survive? <laughs> I'm already dead! Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. <laughs> Look at them all go. Just oh, you've got to be kidding me. Does it give you, like, your plays? Do I get another life? Players? 35 oh, look, left? Yeah. Okay, come on. Oh, I... It can't end there, folks. It can't end there. One more try. One more try. Here I am in the it's, lobby again. That, that first one right. was a practice so maybe just I think, back You know what? Rather than trying to get the blocks and stuff, I'm going to try instead... To just avoid uh, the the onslaught the of Mario. I don't. I, I mean, you can't call them like Koopalings or anything like that anymore. So Infringiolings. generic characters. Any characters? Yes. Just yeah. Here we go. Now the sound you can't hear it because of the way we've got this set up, but know that the uh, the sound. Oh, and I'm already dead oh. again. That, that was a long time. Though. It's That's so confusing because there are 99 other players. There are yes. literally thousands of people attacking this server right now, playing uh, Infringio. Yes. <laughs> Head on over to cat5.tv/royal, and that will allow you to play it in your game. See if you get further than me. It wouldn't take yeah, much. You beat Robbie's record. <laughs> Long eight seconds. That's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> it's great to see you both. Thank you for being here, Henry. Yeah, always a pleasure here. to have you here. Hope to have you back again soon. Great to be here. It's all the time that we have, folks, for this week. Uh, thank you to those who have pitched in for our new server build. Uh, whether you have sent a little donation here or there, whether you've shopped on our Amazon link or become a patron, we greatly appreciate your support. And uh, and we couldn't do this show without you. Um, don't forget, uh, we are on Twitter at Cat. Category 5 TV. I am personally also on Twitter at Robbie Ferguson. Uh, shameless self promotion. Do you have a Twitter account? I have a YouTube. YouTube? Follow my YouTube, Henry Bailey Brown. Follow his YouTube. Aviation tech stuff. Also, we're, <laughs> believe it or not, we are also on YouTube. That's true, we yeah. are. Look for Category 5 they Technology TV. to your YouTube. Probably best to do and that. And ring the bell so then they know whenever Cat 5 stuff comes out. He knows and how this works. Linux he was listening. Tech show, yeah, linuxtechshow.com right? will actually take you to our YouTube channel. And there you go. that's a secondary YouTube channel where we edit down all the clips from the one hour show okay. so that you can just watch that 5, 10, 15 minute clip. So that's a great thing to subscribe to as well. Mm -hmm. um, don't forget, we're also uh, on Roku's channel store, also on like Cody and Plex if you want to download our, our channels from our GitHub page, which is Cat5TV. And, of course, we bring it all together on our official website, Category5.tv. But that's it for this week, everybody. Looking forward to seeing you again next, next week. Take care.